can receive the fullness of what God has for you today. Hallelujah. Okay, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a bottom line person, very much a bottom line person. So the bottom line is, why did you come to church today? I mean, if you just came to church today because it's a, 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 a box to tick in your life, then uh, that's what you'll get. And that's all you'll get. If you came to church today because you want to do, say things to the Lord and or receive from the Lord, then you should be in agreement with this prayer that there's nothing that will interfere with me receiving from the Lord. Right? You should be ready to go full out for God in this service today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So do you agree with me now? Still doesn't sound like you're in agreement. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you. I've asked you to keep those dates open. Um, I've been talking to uh, Jerry Savell Ministries, Brother Joe and others in the USA this week, and uh, they, are, they are preparing to have their first international, uh, major international trip with the aeroplane to come to us. And so there's a few things that are a little variable at the moment, and it's mostly to do with the preparation of the aircraft. So that's why I've asked you to keep those dates. It is possible that they might come a week earlier, uh, unlikely but possible. They will not come later, so that's why I put. That's why we've talked about those dates. So I'm asking you to be, to be, f- a little flexible with me here. Um, this is a big. This is a big moment for Brother Jerry. It's a big moment for us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Brother Jerry ministered. Um, his journey, uh, his uh, message for the new year is uh, the year of the maximum. So that's how he's defined it and refined it in the second part, the year of the maximum, the highest level attainable. And so he went on to say, the measure of our trust in God will determine how tightly we hold on to what he's, he has asked us to let go of. So... I am going to refrain, and if there's someone else that's going to minister over the December period, then um, I'm going to ask them to refrain from preaching Brother Jerry's message, because when he comes here, he's going to want to preach it to us. And uh, so I'm not going to say too much about it, other than this is, this is the headline that you can take away. But there are a few things that really st- stood out to me, and that is, The measure of our trust in God will determine how tightly we, or is determined by how tightly we hold on to what he's asked us to let go of. So if he asks you to let go of something, how holdly do you hold on to it? How tightly do you hold on to it? So if you hold on to something very tightly and he's asked you to let go of it, then you will never ever be able to step into the things that God's got for you. Right? 
because that determines everything for you. How tightly you hold on to something when God's asked you to let go of it, that will determine how far you can go with God. Yeah. <laughs> many, many years ago, I watched a movie. Um, I think it was called Beautiful People. And so, you know, older people will remember it. It was filmed by Dirky Ace, I think. Yeah, what? Yanni Ace. Yami Ace. Sounds like a stage name or something, but anyway. Yami sounds like yummy, 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 you know. Yami Ace. Anyway, he photographed a baboon that wanted to get food. And so they put food into, a, into an anthill or, or into a, something in the ground. And so the baboon put his finger, his hand, arm into the ground, and he got a hold of the, of the food that he wanted, and then he couldn't get his hand out of the hole. I think it was called funny people or beautiful people or something like that, right? And so once he got hold of the food, he wouldn't let it go. So he got stuck, literally got captive, holding on to the stuff that was in his hand. Anytime he let go of the food, he could get his hand out and, move and run away, but his hand got stuck in there. What you're holding on to tightly when God has asked you to let go of will determine how far you can go in God. Hallelujah. It sounds like in one, one sentence, Brother Jerry has kind of spoken about everything we've been talking about for years now, right? If there's something that you are holding on to that you've set as the the ultimate level of achievement that you can have in your life, and he asks you to let go of it, well, that'll be the level of how far you can go in God if you don't let go of it. Because he's not trying to take something from us. He's trying to always get something more to us. So if you're God and you're asking someone to let go of something, is it, is it because he wants to take what you've got away from you? Or is he looking at your life and saying, listen, what you're holding on to is so little and you think that that's all that you can get, but it's so little, why don't you let go of what you think is so valuable to you, let go of it and let me show you how much you can have. He's never wanting to take stuff away from you. He's always wanting to bring something to you. Relationally, spiritually, financially, with your, with your future, if you give something that's precious to you, to God, he will give you much more in return. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, it's like if God wants, if I felt that the thing that's most precious to me is a motor car. Well, the, the Lord may want me to give my motor car to someone. Now, you know, I might have an older car and a newer car. And uh, in my case, I'm very grateful and thankful that my cars are paid for cash. I don't owe any money on my cars. So I might have an older car and I might have a new car. And the Lord might say to me, give your car away. So which one should I give away? Well, if I give my old one away, it's not so valuable to me. Come on. It's not so valuable to me. If I give my new one away, means a lot to me. So now, it's my choice. What do I give up? 
well, it would be simple. We'll give your old car away because, you know, you've just been driving your new car for months or a year or whatever. So, you know, you don't give your new car away, whatever. It's something you've been believing God for. Your faith has brought it in. You're able to pay cash for it, so don't give it away. Well, if it's my most valuable thing and I'm holding on to it that tightly, then God can't get other cars into my hands. That's called a choke point. Don't take my car from me, God. It's too valuable to me. It's my choke point. That will always limit how far I can go with God. Many, many years ago, Brother Copeland talked a lot about, about the choke point. And uh, I've endeavored in my life to live my life without choke points. And wherever I find a choke point in my life, it's where I get stuck, you know. Choking is something gets stuck in your throat. It's where you get stuck, you know, it's a choke point. I've endeavored to evaluate with, with a sober mind what my choke points are so that I can move past my choke point. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I mean, you know, some years ago, yesterday I was talking to some people and, uh, and uh, at the, at the Whitbank event here, and I'm going to show you the slides in a minute. Uh, I know that I'm already preaching, but that's okay. It's a, it's a good time for me to bring the slides in here. But I was talking to someone, and, you know, we were just talking about some physical things in our bodies and the age that we're at and things like that. And, you know, some years ago, I had a choke point, and that choke point was, well, how far can I ride a bicycle? And how long will it take me to ride a bicycle? Up to that date, up to that point, I'd, probably the most I'd ever ridden on a bicycle was uh, on a single, you know, trip was probably three or four hundred k's, or maybe five hundred k's, on a on a on a five-day stage race on a on a road bike. And then, then it was a challenge for me to ride from Joburg to Cape Town. So. You know, if that's a choke point for you, then you say, well, what's preventing me from actually doing that? Well, it's the level of commitment and training you're prepared to do. Actually, anybody can ride, anybody can ride from Joburg to Cape Town on a mountain bike or a road bike or whatever it is you want. Anybody can do it. Anybody sitting here can do it. I'm telling you, anybody can do it. It just depends on how much you're prepared to commit to it. So your commitment then is your choke point. I'm using this example because I'm not expecting any of you to go right from Joburg to Cape Town. I'm just giving you an example. It's dependent on the commitment that you're prepared to make towards it. Amen. Amen. And then they all told me, but at the end of that, we're also going to run, run a half marathon. And then that was also a big choke point for me. You mean I'm going to run a half marathon after I've ridden 1,500 kilometers? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Because I've got to train for that too. No. Yeah. Choke point. Remember, you all became a big thing for me and by God's grace, and because he, he protected my health and everything else, I was able to accomplish that. 
So now I don't have a choke point about stuff like that anymore. Come on. So what was it that would have made me, what would I have held on to had I not done that? What would I have been holding on to? Comfort zone. So my choke point was how uncomfortable will I become? So my comfort zone is what would have kept me from pressing. So to give up comfort, I could break a choke point. Hallelujah. Some years ago, uh, you know, Slipstream, our athletic club, went through a, through a little bit of a lull, and there was really nothing much going on in the club. I won't go into all the details of that, but now that we see how, how God is using the athletic club for touching the community, uh, it's no wonder the enemy tried to have me back away from keeping the club vibrant and alive. So yesterday we, we held a joint venture event here at the dam, at the resort, with a local municipality, and it was the mayor's day. And the mayor prepared and had a, asked us to uh, partner with them to have a, a run, a 10-kilometer fun run. So when, they, when she approached us on, on that, we had some challenges because it broke the rules of the athletics, Athletic South Africa and the way that you are supposed to go about um, doing and preparing for an event. And if you do unauthorized events, you could lose, you could get a fine, you could get your license suspended. And so there's a lot at stake for us as a club for that. But we ended up talking to Athletic South Africa and uh, they gave us sanction to do it as an un unprepared uh, event and without promoting it as a, as a fully-fledged, um, timed event in the sense that uh, they were not going to hold it against us because here's what they said. We are aware of the good work that you are doing with the municipality and so we don't want to stop the good work that you're doing with the municipality as Slipstream, we want you to go ahead with the, with, the, with the event as a partnership. So, can we show the first picture? Here's, here's the team that made it happen. Some of them. Anyway, next. I'm looking for the front page also. Do we have that that you sent me? Is it coming? This is the mayor. This is the mayor. She's got more energy than most young people have to burn. I promise you. She ran with everybody across the line. When she got there, <laughs> when she got there, she went and she sat down for a little bit. So here's what's, here's what's in the, no, go, back, go to the headline. Here's what's in the local, the, the, the Whitbank News. And this was on, this was on uh, um, social media. So this is all, and I want to thank all of the team that did all the work. This is the whole team that did all the work yesterday to make all of this happen. And uh, next picture that we have, do we have another picture? No? Are we done? Okay. So, uh, 
you know, it's not in the Whitbank News, but she got up and uh, she made a statement yesterday. We want to thank Slipstream for helping us host this event because without them, we couldn't have made this happen. We couldn't have had this day. And so then she, she said, and you saw me, I'm running without the Slipstream shirt. And she said, I need one because uh, we're family now. You know, so praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, we are touching the world. We are doing things where we are the light and the salt of the earth. And wherever we do it because we are being effective in our community, God uses our effectiveness to touch the world. God doesn't expect us to become like the world so that we can touch the world. He also doesn't expect us to do everything the world does so that we can become like the world, so that we can be the light of the earth and the, be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. He expects us to retain our salt and maintain our light. Amen. I mean, he goes so far as to say, is what good is a light that's got a bushel on it, a cover on it? And so what, hap what happens mostly is that people that function in the world have got a light on their Christianity. Because you can't tell the difference between the Christian and the person that's walking next to them. Then you're no good. You're not the light. You might say, I'm in the world to be the light, but not. You're there for your own reasons. Not because you're the light. Amen. Praise the Lord. So Brother Jerry heard this. He said, he said this in his message. Now, he said this last Sunday after we had our service and... Uh, so please don't go and watch it. Rather let him come and tell it to us in the way that he's going to share it with us. Receive it the way that I'm sharing it with you today. He said, I've heard this in the spirit. It's time to launch out into the deep. And it comes directly from Luke chapter 5 verse 4. When it says, when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Was that not the scripture that I used the week before? <laughs> Must be the same Holy Spirit. Must be the same Holy Spirit. So he said that. I heard, I heard the Lord say, it's time for you, some of you to launch out into the deep. You know, what that signifies is it means you go further than you've gone before. It means you do things that you haven't done before. It means that you've got to push a little, a little far further and go a little uh, deeper than you have before. Hallelujah. And uh, so a couple of weeks ago, the Lord spoke through me, and I'm just going to pull some highlights out of the word that he gave me to share with you. Time to accelerate to victory and breakthrough. He's creating the environment for you to step up, step up, and step into. I feel to some of you that this is a time when you set aside to press into God. He will talk to you. If you go and press into him, he will talk to you. He will. To some, I have to say, to some of you, I have to say, it will require a financial seed. To some, I have to say, it will require you to give time of yourself to press into God, to hear what God wants to say for you and that you can't keep running on a treadmill like a mouse on a wheel and think you're going to get anywhere just keeping the wheel running. There are some of you that God has got gifts and callings that he's placed in you and on your life is just like you're treading water. 
God wants you to stop treading water and he wants you to zoom across to the other side. It needs you to press in in prayer and recognize your gifting and calling and bring it to the church. Hallelujah. This is, this is, uh, this is the Lord speaking to us clearly. And uh, it's not a coincidence to me that while I was in America, we were all going through the Brother Jerry's bag of seeds that he came and brought us five years ago now. It's quite amazing. That's why for Brother Jerry to come early next year and be live here, present with us, is uh, it's not to be taken lightly. It's worthy of almost taking your annual leave and coming f- and separating yourself. Because, you know, what you, what you value is what you will place as your highest priority in your life. So if you look and see what your highest priority is, you will see that's what you value the most. Hey, come on. I'm going, I'm going through the process at the moment. I always had this idea in my mind. I, I like to take photographs every go. I, I'm, I like photography, always have had, done. So wherever I go, I take photographs. Uh, but I... I always use my location on my phone so that it can record the location where I'm at. If there's cell phone signal, or the, then it will be the nearest location via GPS or whatever. And uh, uh, I'm going through at the moment uh, a timeline of how much I've traveled uh, since 2014. I'm going through a, a timeline. I'm preparing a timeline for myself, how much I've traveled around the world, and where I've gone to, and for what purpose I've traveled. And, what, and part of the reason I'm doing that is to evaluate how much of my resources I've taken personally and sometimes from the ministry that I've taken to put to use to show how much I value my relationship with Brother Jerry. I have found myself in places and uh, just going through my timeline, I found myself recalling and remembering and just thanking God that there was a time when the Lord said to me, go and be with Brother Jerry. And I went there and so he was going to go to Cuba. And so I went with him to Cuba. And uh, there was a window of, 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 of time, it seems now, there was a window of time that was open for people to go freely into Cuba. And uh, it seems like the, the new regime in Cuba has started to crack down on many of the things because they're a communist country and they're, they're cracking down on different things. And, and that has happened since COVID. So imagine right before COVID, a year before COVID, I went with Brother Jerry to Cuba. COVID comes, the new regime is cracking down on all the Cuban people. So preachers and pastors can't go back into Cuba. I wonder if God was in that. 
that Brother Jerry would go, take his apostolic calling, sow seed into a ministry in Cuba. He asked me if we want to participate. We sowed an amount that time of $5,000 into that ministry in Cuba. Forever, our seed is speaking into the nation of Cuba because I was obedient to go with the apostolic call that's on Brother Jerry. And when the moment was right, we recognized that we would sow a seed into Cuba. It doesn't matter what the regime does now, we have a part of Cuba's future. Eternally, because we did that. We did that. We did that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Sometimes there are things when you've got to be obedient to God and you've got to do things and you can't wait. Because if I'd waited to say, well, let's see what else. I know other preachers that had the opportunity to go to Cuba. I mean, they, he didn't pay for me. You know, I went there. I paid for myself. Come on. You know, he told me the flights and he told me everything. We made the bookings so, you know, that I could travel with him. And so they took care of our arrangements when we were in, in Cuba but I paid for everything that was my part to pay in Cuba. He didn't pay for anything for me. That was on my dam, our dam, some of it. Come on. There were other pastors and ministers that are partnering with Brother Jerry that knew about his trip and could have gone with him. They didn't. And now it seems like that moment would be lost. I am so thankful and grateful to God that I did that. For nothing else, it's expanded our borders, it's expanded our footprint on the planet as to where our seed lies. And every time we honor Brother Jerry in what he is to us, wherever he goes, as we partner with him and we are with him in his ministry, wherever he goes, our footprints go with him. Praise the Lord. That's part of the reason why I'm doing this exercise, and I will share it with you when I'm done with it. Hallelujah. So that you can just understand that when he comes here next year, how much I value him. I don't, I don't, I don't live where he lives. I don't travel everywhere he travels. I, this is where I'm called to. But wherever he goes, my spirit goes with him. My prayers go with him. My resources go with him. Because I value him so much, I'm attuned to his messages and where he goes. You know, that I get onto, I find out where he's going. And sometimes I'll just search out, I, I know this preacher, I know this pastor, and he's gonna go and preach at that church. And then I know that they've got the facilities that they're, they're recording it and that they'll post it on YouTube. And sometimes I'll just go and watch him preach in another pe person's church just because I've had a relationship with him and that preacher. And sometimes it's exactly the same message he's preached in another church because that's what God's mandate on him is to go and take this message of the, the hand of God, you know, for this year. And... Uh, and so it might be the same message, but I'm following him. So there's a lot of preachers I could follow. I don't. Because God hasn't called me to them. 
God's called me to him. Amen. So there's a few things that he said that I'm going to just tell you about today, and I'm not going to go into much detail about it, but, you know, when he said it, I, I thought to myself, he's been listening to my messages. It's the same Holy Spirit. But if you just close your eyes, you could perhaps hear me and Pastor Sharon speaking. You and I were created by God to live our lives on a much higher level. Yes? You and I were created by God to live our lives on a much higher level. That means whatever level you're living your life on now, God's created you to live much higher. But you might think, how can I get much higher? I'm very comfortable living at this level of life that I'm at. That's your problem. You've gotten into a comfort zone. Don't mess with my comfort zone. It's a choke point for me if you mess with my comfort zone. Hello. I can't leave you in your comfort zone. I'm not called to leave you in your comfort zone. I'm called to drag you out of your comfort zone and smack you upside the side of your head and say, wake up. Wake up from your comfort zone. Because otherwise you're going to fall asleep. Oh, no, no, you won't catch me asleep. I'm a busy person. I'm busy, I'm busy. And you're very comfortable in your busyness. You like to be busy. You like to be active. You like to be busy. You like to be putting a lot of energy out there because who can speak against that? See how productive I am? Well, that's how comfortable you are. What about if I ask you to rest for three months and do nothing and just press into God? Would you be able to give up this very valuable thing that you called maximum productivity? Document, no. Huh? The highest level, the next thing he said is the highest level of life that is attainable to us is life living in fellowship with God and fellowship with his word. So the highest level of life that is attainable to us is the one that we find in fellowship with him and with his word. Let me tell you, the highest level of life is not how much money you make. It's not how important you become. It's not how powerful you are. It's living in him. Yeah. Allowing God to order your steps and allowing his word to be final authority in all the affairs of your life is how you live the maximum, the, the maximum highest level of life attainable. Okay. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Now, as he was going out on the road, this is Jesus, one came running and knelt before him. So one came running and knelt before Jesus. I'm wanting you to get that picture. You can see Jesus is walking away with his disciples. And here's a man who comes running after Jesus. And so he comes and he runs right in front of him and all of his disciples, and he kneels in front of him. 
This is quite a demonstration of humility and putting yourself down, right? Knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and he said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. So this is a good man. This is a good man. He's followed the commandments. Then Jesus looked at him and he looked, looking at him, loved him. Of course Jesus would love him. Why? Because he has kept the commandments of his father. And said to him, one thing you lack, let me tell you, you are a long way down in your life with God if Jesus standing in front of you and says, one thing you lack. Hey, if I get to heaven and Jesus said to me, the only thing you lacked ever while you were alive is one thing, I'd say, phew, I did it. Yes? Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor. This is a crossroad moment. This is a tipping point moment. This is the biggest moment in this man's life. He may not know it yet, but this is the biggest moment in this man's life. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Okay, I've got to give up my treasure that's on earth so that I can have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. What is the cross that he's got to take up? He's got to take up the cross of giving his treasure away. Crossroads, tipping point, turning moment. Give up your cross. Give up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Wow. So Jesus was asking him to give away everything he had to come and follow him. Everything. But what, what, was he asking him to give up everything or was he just presenting him with everything? You know that except for the 12 that God, that Jesus invited, this is the only man that Jesus personally said, come and follow me. Outside of his first 12 that he invited to be his disciple, he has another one that he said, come and follow me. Only one thing, you only lack one thing. You gotta give up that to follow me. So was he asking him for something or was he giving him something? Did he see it that way? No, he didn't see it that way. The way he saw it was, you're asking me to give up everything. I'm saddened by this, that you're asking me to give up everything. But Jesus didn't see it that way. He was saying, do you know how much value I'm giving you here? That you could be one of those. You could be the replacement of Judas. Do you think Jesus would have made that offer without the Father approving it? 
Well, we know that Jesus later on said that I, do, I say nothing and I do nothing unless I first see my father do it. In other words, I'm convinced myself. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you to believe what I believe because there's no direct connection to this. But I believe, because if you read in the book of Acts, the, uh, the, 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 the disciples got together and sought God to replace Judas as one of the 12. If that man had joined them, they would have not had to seek another person. It is possible that God was preparing to have the replacement in this young man. But he was saddened because he had to let it go so that he could find and get everything. So what was more valuable to him is what he had achieved for himself rather than what God wanted to give to him as his future. Let me just, let me just be clear about this so that you understand that what I'm preaching to you is not just a message that comes from a scripture. This is a message that I have lived in my life. Because I knew that God had called me to the ministry. When I was in the corporate world, I was blessed using faith, using my walk with God. Just like this rich young ruler, I had been very successful in my career. Way back then in the 90s, some of you weren't even born then. Way back then in the 90s, I was earning millions and millions of rand every year. You know, that was also at a time when the rand wasn't to the dollar what it is today. You know, but I was earning millions every year. I was a senior executive in, in, the, in the corporate world, in, in the technology space. And uh, so the Lord said to me, I want you to go and serve. When Brother Copeland came and did his first international believers campaign in South Africa in 1996. He hadn't been in South Africa for eight years. The Lord said, I want you to go and serve Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And so as it turned out, I, I, I took leave and I did that. And uh, in that time that I take, took leave and went to go and serve Brother Copeland, Brother Jerry, Gloria, Creflo, Jesse, Duplantis, all of those guys, you know, when I was with Brother Jesse now, I, I, I reminded him, I said, Brother Jesse, you will always be part of my story. I said, because when God called me to, to Jerry, you were in the room when he said, I want you to witness this divine connection that God has placed between me and John that day. And then we had some conversations about that moment that Jesse Duplantis was a witness, he in fact said to me, what I've witnessed with you and Brother Jerry today and this time that I've been here, that's the way I want God to have all of my appointments in my ministry is the way God has just done it with you and Brother Jerry. He said it way back then in the 90s. So he will for always, be part, always be part of my story. I told him that. We had a wonderful moment together about that. Anyway, um, so in that week, the Lord said to me, you connected to Brother Jerry, you connected to Brother Jerry. Yes, sir. So I didn't know what it would do. All I knew was that I had to go and talk to him about it. And that's when 
He called everybody to witness us that God had put us together. I had no clue what the future would hold. I want you to understand that I was reaching the pinnacle of corporate life. If I was to, if I was to go to the next, if I was to go to the next level in corporate life, it would have been to be to a bigger company, uh, to have a bigger responsibility, potentially to have a bigger package, have more shares and all that kind of stuff. In fact, when I left the corporate world and went to go into the ministry, it was a kind of well-known thing when you reach that level of, of, of executive level, you don't just leave one company and go to another company. You know, you kind of leave and then wait, take a sabbatical if you like, and they would use that term, you know, going to take just time to chill out and rest. But what you're looking for is the next opportunity so you don't compromise your last company and you walk into the next one. If you don't know that, I'm telling you now, that's how senior people operate. That's how they work. And so some six months or nine months after I'd left the ministry, I started getting phone calls from big companies that wanted to employ me on their, on their, as part of their board and as a directorship and they wanted to give me big numbers and shares and things like that in their company and I had to say to them you guys don't understand people that I knew people that I used to operate with in the industry said you don't understand I'm following the call of God in my life what was I doing I was walking away from that which was valuable to me in the natural to pursue things that was valuable to me in the spirit you think that's easy I mean, it wasn't difficult for me because of what I knew in my spirit, but still you have to face your own head. You have to face your own uncertainty of your future, of what does this mean? Because I've got this big corporate job and I'm very safe and secure in this big corporate job and my whole career has already achieved that level of status that wherever I go from here, it just means more money and more profile. Hello. And I thank God for that time. Um, you know, I thank God that I was blessed like that. It has given me an understanding of business and an understanding of the, of the world that people live in and some of the challenges that I had to face. And part of the reason I have Leadership Academy is because I really had to seek God how to live my Christianity in a corporate space or in a space where it was really dark. Hallelujah. I was also blessed, for you and I to be clear, I was also blessed to live in a time frame where there wasn't social media, where there wasn't pornography available to everybody everywhere all the time. I was blessed that drugs was not available on every street, street corner. I was blessed to grow up in an era where there wasn't a whole lot of challenges that I had to face that other young people and other people have to face today. I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised as a preacher's kid. I was raised in the word, even though there were some religious and things that I had to take time to get rid of as baggage in my life. I was raised in that environment. So I don't hold up my experience as, a, as an experience that everybody needs to have. I rather say that you need to have an experience that God wants you to have. You got to follow him the way that God wants you to follow him. It's just my life story. 
In the same way that you can't look at Brother Jerry's life story and say, well, he was a business owner and owned his own business before. And so therefore, we all need to go into business because he was in business before God called him. You can't say that. It's just his life. It's just the way that God had to call him out of business at that time. So whatever God's calling you to, wherever he's calling you from, what part, that's what God's got for you today. So then, you know, the disciples want to know, they were flabbergasted at his words. And uh, Jesus said, it's harder. It's hard. Children, how hard is it? It is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Can I take those words riches and say trust in yourself? How hard is it for those who trust in themselves to enter the kingdom of God? Because if you trust in riches, you're just trusting in yourself. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Well, that doesn't mean to say you can't be saved. Being saved and entering into the kingdom of God is two different things. Being saved is just an internal birth. Be entering into the kingdom of God is a lifestyle. It's the way you choose to live life. So they were astonished, saying amongst themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. Can I just read that to you again? Can I just show you the categories? That Jesus is saying, this is written in red if you have a Bible with red letters. There is, I say to you, there is no one who has left house. What's your most valuable possession that you own? Is it perhaps your house? There is no one that's left house. What's the next most important thing? Brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, are these not categorized as the most valuable thing for you? Don't shut me down because I'm preaching good. Okay, now you can shut me down. Come on, come on, shut me down. Listen, if you get into agreement with me, then no one will know I'm talking about you. So you might... Ah, family's the most important thing, don't you know? Not the church. Sorry, that's not what Jesus said. Family's not the most important thing. Following Jesus is. Your brother and your sister, that's not the most important thing. Jesus, following Jesus is. Your house, that one you paid 20 years on the bond for to pay it off, That one where all your surety and security is in? Oh, maybe Jesus says, come follow me, and you turn away sad because of the 20 years of paying up all that interest. 
I'm not saying you should sell your house or let go of it. I'm saying how important is it that it owns you? What's your comfort zone? What's your choke point? Don't mess with my future. Well, God's not trying to mess with your future. He's trying to give you one. So, brothers and sisters, father, mother, wife, with children or lands. Notice that Jesus expected us to be so wealthy that we give up lands. But none of it should own you. You should be able to give it up to follow him. So what does that look like? Well, it first looks like give up what's valuable to you in a moment of every day and press into him and then let him speak to you. I'm not for one minute suggesting you should put your house on the market and sell your house and give your money to the Lord and say, okay, now I'm yours. However, this will indicate to you that if God speaks to you and tells you to do that and you're not willing, that's what owns you, not God. You know, it's interesting to me that people that have got money, they, they attach a value to what they give rather than what they keep. You know, it's like, don't you see I've given so much money? I've given so much money. I've given so much money. Okay, but how much are you keeping? No, but Pastor John, I've given much more than 10%. Okay, but how much are you keeping? I know, well, you know, but it's so much money. But how much are you keeping? Well, what owns you then? Oh, Pastor John, really, really, I can I, was, I stand as a witness that to the measure that I've been I've been ready to give up everything myself. God has always given back to me, good measure, pressed down, shaken and over. He's given back to me more than I've ever given to him. Much, much more. Houses. Lands, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, I have pursued all to follow God. My wife and I have an agreement with each other to the measure that we don't follow God, we have no responsibility to follow each other in marriage. Other than her responsibility and my responsibility to do what God says we must do in marriage. But if I come to Sharon and I say, Sharon, I want you to skip church so that you can come on holiday with me and we're gonna, I'm going to take a three-month sabbatical and I'm not going to go back to church. She has the right to say to me, you're on your own, John. I'm going to church because God says I must go to church. No, but you know, our marriage, it's the only time I've got time to spend with you on the weekend is on a Sunday. Sorry, brother, I'm going to church. But, 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 you know, I, I might be causing a lot of conflict in my marriage. Let it be. Let him fuss with himself. 
you don't know how cruel he can be, how with his words, just all with his, just his, his stuff, he can, he can run me down, he can be cruel to me, he can say all kinds, he can make my life a misery. Let God take care of you. It might be uncomfortable for a short time, but let God take care of you because God will show you his goodness. Oh no, I, I'm not ready for that. That's your choke point, girl. Guys, you might say, if I told my wife to come to church with me every Sunday, let me tell you, she'd stop giving me sex. Oh, is that what's holding you? Is that what's keeping you? So that's your, that's your choke point. That's the most important thing to you? You can say I'm preaching good. It could be, she'll stop cooking for me. She'll make, you know, women can be as cruel as men. They can have cutting words. They can have attitudes. They can have a whole bunch of stuff that they do in the house. And you, you can live in a hell as a man. This is not just designed for Women, uh, women tend to struggle more because men are much more bullish and aggressive and arrogant in the way they use their maleness. And they can be, because of that, they can be cruel. And because God said in his word, a woman's heart is towards her husband, so men will abuse that. But let me tell you, a woman can be just as cruel. This scripture says, you must follow God. As far as your husband, where he stops you doing the word of God and obeying God, you got to follow God. Don't follow what your spouse wants you to do. You have a right, according to scripture, to follow God before you follow your husband or your wife. Oh, but you don't know about my children. How difficult it is to get my children to work, to church. You come to church and then see, let God deal with your children. If you don't come to church, you've got no right to ask God to help you deal with your children. That's a don't. The same, Nick. That's a don't. So, but if you come into church, You know, you've got every right to say, I'm following you, God. I'm taking my cross, the cross that I must bear. I'm taking up that cross and I'm following you no matter what. Praise Jesus. So, if you leave brother, father, mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and for the gospel's sake, For my sake, in other words, your relationship with me and for the gospel, the truth of the word, the good news of the word, who shall not, uh, you shall receive, I'm gonna put it in the positive context, you shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. How's that gonna work? If, if you don't have a relationship with your own blood stuff, God is going to bring it to you through the church. Well, you might not see the church as that valuable. That's because you haven't given everything to God. So you don't know how much value is in the church. So 
with persecutions. I wish he'd left that out. Because it's amazing. When you decide that you want to get rid of that choke point in your life, it's like all hell breaks loose. And so a lot of people say, I don't need that hell. I'm in my comfort zone. I don't need that hell. I don't need to face my conscience. I don't need to face all of the issues that are gonna come with us that I have to deal with in my heart, in my life. The people conflict, the financial conflict. I don't, I don't have to deal with it. I promise you now, you're already being persecuted. And you don't even see it that way necessarily because the devil's coming to steal, kill, and to destroy you. That's what the Bible says. The system is designed to kill, steal, and destroy you. So you are already being killed, destroyed, and persecuted. You're just doing it slowly in your comfort zone. So why not just say for a moment, I'm gonna get out of my comfort zone, follow God, and let me take the persecution. In the meantime, my reward is a hundredfold in what I've given up. So, with persecution in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and last first. Here's the switch. Here's the exchange. That's why we have my exchange, because they're exchanging what is making others look like they are first. And we are look like we are being last. God say, those who are last are going to be first. I don't care how great your status is while you're on the earth, God's word is true and you can't change that thing. This is the truth. And many people will look at those that are giving up their lives for God and say, shame, shame. It's because you had nothing better to do or it's being, you're kind of being duped by that pastor or you're being duped by that church or that church is a cult or those people are too radical or that you don't understand. No, Jesus said, if you take your, give up your cross, you take up your cross, you follow him and you bear what you're supposed to bear, you're going to be first. Hallelujah. Brother Jerry said something as I was listening to him, and again, I'm being careful how much I give to you because he's gonna come and preach it to us in the beginning of February. All life is in him. All your life is in him. All your life is in him. Not just a little, not just what you want to give him, all your life. All joy, hope, peace, goodness, and mercy. These are my words. You should be living life in its fullness, Loving God is the only way to live life, your best life. Never allow the love of things to become your number one pursuit in life. Again, I'm speaking Brother Jerry's words. Always put God first. Make him the center of your existence. If you close your eyes, you could hear Pastor Sharon and I speaking. This is what we preach. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. I'm gonna just share with you uh, something that Brother Jerry said. I found it interesting and I'm, I'm closing with this because I want to, I want you to, to understand what's been happening in me, that when I was with, traveling with Brother Jerry, uh, uh, he, 
the Lord said to me, pay attention, Don. Don't just be comfortable in the way that you are with Brother Jerry. I want you to pay attention. I want you to make notes. I want you to hear things. I want to speak to you through things that otherwise you wouldn't normally hear. And so what happened to me was uh, I realized actually there's a level of, there's a level of, uh, I want to just choose the right word here. Uh, there's a level of favor that I walk in because of the life that I walk in with Brother Jerry that is of such high value to me. But, you know, if you've believed God, for example, for, a, for a, an upgrade in your motor car, and you've been driving an old second-hand car, and now suddenly you buy a new luxury car. And you, when you first drive the car, it's sweet. The smell of newness, the comfort of the ride compared to your old skidonk, right? And it doesn't matter how good shape your old car is, it's still an old skidonk because it's old. Right? If you've been driving the same cars for seven years or eight years, or it's an eight or 10 or 12 year old car, it's still an old thing. Yes? And now you get into a brand new car that smells new, it is new, it drives new, it's got all the new technology in it, it's like, wow. Yeah? Now, when you've been driving that car for a year, it's not brand new anymore, but it's still new compared to your old car. Now you're not kind of, every time you get into the car, wow. It's like you're used to getting in the car. But you're still driving in favor. Blessing. So I didn't realize this, but one of the things the Lord wanted to reveal to me was, he wanted me to see that the favor that I live in by being able to have this relationship and fellowship with Brother Jerry and be in his world in the way that I am in his world. He wanted me to realize how, how much he's favored me, how much value it is to my life that I can be in this place. And so it's like when you go and if you still have your old car and then you get in your car and you go and drive and you hear all the rattles and then you've got to fix this and, and, and you've got to go and, you know, maybe go and fiddle with wires in the engine to get it started. You know, it's like you'd, then when you get back into your newer car, you say, yes, thank God for this new car. Yes? You know what I'm talking about? Well, it's like you have an aha moment again. I'm thankful and I'm grateful that I've got the vehicle that I'm driving. Well, that's what the Lord wanted me to see partly in what I was having with Brother Jerry is how much, how much I value what is in my life, how much joy it brings me, how much favor I have and what a privileged position I'm in to be in a situation like that. And so what you've been encountering with me and as I've been encountering God over the last couple of weeks is 
something that Brother Jerry said all by himself in his message uh, this last Sunday. And he said, the key to success is consistency. So he said, I'm not the most consistent person in, my, in every area of my life. And so he says, now I'm being vulnerable to you and I'm making a public admission. Well, he might have been vulnerable to that congregation, but if you're on television, then you're being vulnerable to the world, right? So he said, uh, I, have, I have a private gym in my house, a personal gym. I've been there, I've seen it. It's the best equipment, treadmill, cycle. He's got bits and pieces of equipment in there, the best. And so he's got it, every time he goes to his study, this is at his main house in Crowley, every time he's got to go to his study, he's got to walk past his gym to go to the study. And I'm telling you his story. And he says, so that is the reason why I put my gym there. It's because I got to look at it every time I go to my study. He says, how many of you like to do exercise? There were one or two people that put up their hands. And then he walked and said, well, can I come and pray for you, please? <laughs> and so then he said, well, uh, let me put it in a different context. Once I'm busy exercising, I like it. But to get to exercise, I'm not consistent in it. So I have to become more consistent. That's something that I'm currently not consistent in. So he says, so I'm going to make a public statement today. And then he kept quiet. He says, I'm even choking on my words before I even say it. <laughs> he says, uh, come January, I'm going to start more consistency in my exercise. He even has a, he, and he says this, I, I know this, but I wouldn't make it public unless he said it, but, but I've seen it there too. He has a private gym in his ranch house. He's got to go past it every time he goes to his bathroom. He doesn't use that one either till now. Anyway, he says, the reason I'm saying the new year, he says, because I've got a birthday, Christmas, and everything. And he says, I'm not going to exercise until I've gone through that. I thought, oh, Brother Jerry, you're making it much harder for yourself. <laughs> but only if you're a more consistent exerciser do you know that you're just making it harder for yourself. You know. But anyway, here's what was happening to him. He was admitting being honest with himself that there are some places he's got to improve on and move out of his comfort zone. Now, you might say, hey, listen, that's a piece of cake for me. I don't have to even work at that. Yeah, but what you have to work at is something different to what he's got to work at. What he's got to give up as his cross is different to what you've got to give up as your cross. Because you don't travel as much as he does. And let me tell you, once you start on the road of consistency, it means you've got to go into hotel gyms to work out if you're going to be consistent. So he knows what kind of price he's paying. And so, you know, he's got his own agenda for the month of December. He's got his own things that he's got to 
that he's got planned and doing and things like that. But uh, what you heard me say a couple of weeks ago in the first message that I came back was that I realized that in my in my walk with God, there are more things that I've got to be consistent with and I've got to examine myself. Hello? There are things that God has placed in my world that it's worthy of examination so that I can do better in my walk with God. But examining myself is painful because it brings all manner of guilt and shame and all manner of uh, uh, realization of how I've missed it. Well, it doesn't have to be that way because God doesn't put that on you. That's self-imposed shame. It's self-imposed guilt. It's self-imposed condemnation. God doesn't bring that to you. He wants you to examine yourself, understanding that whatever you realize you need to do to change, he's going to give you the strength to change. And so the next thing Brother Jerry said was, I can have it because I can change it with my words. And so that's what he's doing now. He's first changing his inconsistency with his words that he's going to speak the word over that when he walks into the commitment next year, his words have already prepared his consistency. Because he's taking the word of God to change what's inconsistent to the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so, I want to just share some things with you that I'm praying about in December. I want to share with you that some things that are in my heart. Lord willing, uh, in the new year, early in the new year, when we just get back to get back to opening the ministry offices, which we close on the fifteenth. Um, early in the new year, uh, I, I, if 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 the Lord is willing with us, I intend to uh, have some time out with uh, with my staff and with my exchange young people that are committing their lives to the Lord. And Lord willing, we will go to a farm. And the farm that we're going to go and visit is a farm that if it's in the Lord's will, I'm praying about whether God wants us to make an offer to buy that farm. It's got big numbers of millions attached to it. But, and so we don't have the money as a ministry. We don't have the money to buy this farm right now. But if God wants us to have that farm, then we will have the money. So why do you want to go and have that why do you feel like God wants you to have that farm? Well, let me tell you, I, it's not something I'm riding around and looking for farms and stuff. It's something that's been in my heart a long time. And I've just said to the Lord, I've said, Lord, you know, you, you've got everything planned for us as a ministry. And if we are going to have, if we are going to have effective ministry to people, then we've got to find ways that we can, number one, 
minister to people in different ways and not have to go and do tours around the country all the time. Not to say we won't do tours, but we need to have a place where we can go and all of us can go and have camp meeting on the farm. So it's not too far away. It's close enough yet far enough. It's, it's, got, it's got lots of good things already there for us as a ministry that we could access. I'm praying about it. Will you join me in prayer? And I mean this, I'm speaking to people today and so God can do anything. I mean this, if God puts it on your heart to say, John, I'll finance the farm or I'll do something about making uh, a million, two million, three million, or I'll, I'll... God can answer, our, answer us any which way. I'm telling you, God may use even, even people that are not connected to our church. So who's going to run the farm? We are. God's got gifts and callings right here in this ministry that are ready to go to a farm, live on a farm, and so take care of the things that need to be taken care of day to day on a farm. I'm praying about that. And so I felt in my heart today, I need to share that with you. That you can pray with me over December and you can carry it in your heart and see what God has to do. That, that person has already put a price in that farm. That person is ready to take an offer from us as a ministry for that farm. In fact, we are one of few people that would be willing and ready and able to buy that from, from the farmers, the owners, and are willing and ready to sell the farm to us. We, are, we just have to put in an offer and the farm becomes ours if we have the money. That's how far we are in our relationship with the, with the farmer. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There's a lot of other things I'm praying about. We are starting, we have started a, a education program that is, we are approaching educating our young people, our children in a completely different way. And for that, we need to have a focus in the church, in the ministry. We need to have a focus that allows us to minister to families, parents, and to children. You can't just change education to children without changing the education of the parents. Because the parents don't see what God's word is because they've been raising the kids in this, in this wheel of life. Got to do this with the kids, got to do this with the kids, got to do this with the kids. And we as the parents have got to do this, got to do this. But then you've got to allow God to bring a message to you and you've got to be ready to hear what God's saying. Then when you hear it, you can take those steps with God. So we need to have time to minister to parents It's getting easier for us because as you begin to become aware of how bad the education system is of the world out there, you begin to realize just how the time of God for us to have an alternative education system for our children and for our young people is now. Hallelujah. There are, there are many things uh, some things that have come to light, some opportunities that we have with our property in Joburg. And uh, 
I'm happy to say that we've been we've had favor with the council in in Joburg and they've asked us to resubmit our plans and they will grant us whatever it is that we are looking to have them grant us with our property in Joburg so that we can run the church there. It needs a little bit more time, but it also needs money. Well, that's what I'm praying about. So Pastor John, what are all these big things? I've been praying about these things. I've been speaking these things into being for a long time. It's time to step into it. Seems like it's a very big vision. It seems like there's a lot of big things going on here. None of it is impossible for God. Hallelujah. Yes. And there are some other personal things that God, I believe, wants, wants me to step into and for, for uh, the people around us to be part of what God wants me to step into. And I'm not ready to share that yet. But uh, when the time is right, I'll share it with you. So that, that might mean a few, a few adjustments to my, my schedule and a few adjustments to things that God wants to make. But whatever he, he wants us to walk into, what I, he's not trying to take something from us. He's trying to bring something to us. Yes. Amen. Well, you know, God has never ever asked me to do something that he hasn't already set the provision, that he hasn't already set all of the resources, financial, human, technology, everything that he hasn't already made available to me and to us because we are a community. We are a people of God. We are called. We are called to an assignment to bring about a level of Christian living that we can live on the earth with authority and with dominion, that when we touch the world, we touch them with our authority and dominion. We don't touch them with on their terms. Because anybody who tells me that they can touch the world as a Christian, but they're bound to the world, just wait till the first persecution hits you in earnest. Then you'll see. So Elon Musk is, I don't know if he's a Christian or not. I assume he's, he's not. He, he doesn't give me any reason to do that. But he just, bought a, he just bought a company called Twitter, if you haven't heard of it. And so he suddenly said, I'm going to open up the Twitter books so that everybody can see how the liberal and the, Dem the Democrats have owned the narrative and shut conservatives down for many years. And so, guess what's happened? A whole lot of the big wealthy organizations are coming against Elon Musk. The, 
the, the democratic government says, we're watching you. They're bringing all kind of pressure to bear on him because suddenly he's revealing how, how manipulative and deceptive their agenda has been in America and that it is quite possible that they actually have won the elections because of the way that they actually influenced all of the social media. And so now, suddenly they want to bring all kinds of regulations to, to regulate Tesla. Suddenly, there's a whole lot of things that they're bringing in. Now, the persecution has started on him. Not even because he's a Christian, just because he's coming against the establishment. He's coming against the narrative of the institutions that want to control everybody's life. And so... God says, and I, and I really am closing with this. When Jesus came to the earth and he went to his disciples and he called his disciples, he didn't say, Peter, come follow me, but come and stay in your work here. And you kept catching fish and I'll come and hang out with you when I can. And then I'll tell you how to live your life and follow me as a disciple. He said, no, give up your business, give up everything and come and follow me. By the way, he didn't just do that with 12. There were 70 others that chose that. And then there was 120 that also chose that. He didn't specifically call them, but they chose it. So that when the day of Pentecost came, there were 120. And what was Jesus' instruction to them? Go and wait. There are many things, many times when you've got to do what God tells you to do, but you have to go wait first to see what he's got to tell you to do. Whatever you wait to do, you never waste to do. You've got to get that out of your mindset that waiting is wasting. That's the institutional thinking that to wait is a waste. But God says, whatever you wait on me for is never a waste. In fact, what you wait for is something that God will reimburse you with hundredfold return. How long do I have to wait? Well, that's a question that they asked on the day when Jesus gave them the instruction. So how will we know? He said, power will come upon you. How long is it gonna take? Just wait. Why why don't you tell us it's going to be 30 days or 40 days? Because then you won't have faith in your waiting. Who needs to have faith if you already know when when the thing is going to happen? So then you can't have preparation time. Because your faith is in your waiting, in the preparing. So that you will then become maximally productive in God in your life. This is good preaching. This is very, very good preaching. In fact, this is such good preaching, you're likely to never hear the like of it ever again. No, because this is an anointed moment for right now for you. Please stand to your feet. Did you get something out of this today, church? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I want to say thank you to the people in the ministry that helped me, that when I have moments like this, and they're very rare, 
They're very rare when I have moments like this when God wants me to be separate and he wants me to be examining and he wants me to be measuring what I need to be consistent on and what I need to be preparing my heart for God to show me how we execute going into the future. I say thank you to all of you and I say thank you to everybody for, for the space that you give me, the honor and the, and, the, and the grace that you give me that I can seek God to find out what he's got for us for our future together. I'm truly thankful for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Why don't you put your hand on your heart, please, and just make this confession with me and declaration and say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I give you my best. I give you my first. I give you my all. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior forever in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that you help me in my weakness, that where I am weak, you are my strength in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I just pray that as you go, some of you may not be back next Sunday. I know that various people go on leave at this time of the year in different days, different times, different for different amounts of time. I just want to pray over you that you are blessed and protected in your going, that no weapon formed against you will prosper, that as you leave your home, your home is safe, and no weapon formed against your home will prosper. As you return, you will find it the way that you left it, blessed. And you will be blessed where you go, and you'll be blessed when you come back. And that no weapon that the enemy forms against you will prosper, that you are surrounded, you are covered, you are protected by the word and the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. I just want to say right now by the Holy Spirit, I declare that your mind is protected by the blood of Jesus and by the word of God. It is protected from thoughts and doubts and all manner of arguments and theories that people around you will have to try and bring down or bring some kind of marginal correction to the message that I've brought today. I declare that your mind is protected from that. Your heart is protected because people will want to come against the word of God that has been spoken to today because of marginal thinking, marginal theories, marginal questionings of the word. They will say, no, but the word doesn't mean this, but he actually meant that, but he didn't. Listen, I can't preach the whole Bible in one Sunday. You got to listen to all my messages and all Pastor Sharon's messages for a whole year to be able to understand what we are saying. Hallelujah. In the meantime, I pray that you are protected from those kind of words and from your own thoughts that want to stop you from stepping into the good things that God is bringing to you, not trying to take from you. And he gives you the wisdom of how to execute this in your life. Hallelujah. Because there's not one right way or wrong way of doing it. We all got to be obedient to God in what we do and how we do it. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Glory to God.
And I, 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 I'm just led to say this. If you hear any other kind of gospel being preached and then you say, well, those preachers or that church or that minister is not preaching what we preach, then I say to you, that if I've preached anything that's not in the Bible today, then you can judge it. But if it's in the Bible, then take the Bible to judge the Bible with the Bible. Don't take someone else's message and the way that they present it and say, well, that must be the right way. You must go to the Bible. Amen. Okay, I'm done preaching now. Otherwise, you're going to keep me here for another half an hour. And you.